Hello and welcome to Series 2 of Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast where I get to introduce you to the most amazing producers, entrepreneurs and consultants that work with me to build stronger, healthier, better versions of their food businesses. I've been building teams to work with food businesses for more than 25 years and now I'm going to take you behind the scenes in my business to meet some of the amazing people I work with. Today's podcast is with Dr. Craig Rose, a marine biologist who is known also as Dr. Seaweed. Craig is passionate about seaweed playing a part in a sustainable approach to healthy nutrition. His Pure Sea brand creates different forms of seaweed so that it can be, for instance, smoked or encapsulated so that it is flavourless, so that it can be used in a wide range of products and applications. It can be used to replace salt in foods, for instance, or to add nutritional benefits. His consumer brand, Dr. Seaweeds Weed and Wonderful, creates natural supplements for easy consumption and to support a healthy lifestyle. Craig is an enthusiastic entrepreneur and shares a lot of good insights about running a business. It's a very engaging interview. Hi, Craig. It's lovely to talk to you and thank you for giving us some time this afternoon to have a wee chat for the podcast. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. I know you as Craig, but also as Dr. Seaweed. How long have you had that title and when did you know that you had a an interest in seaweed that would lead to a business. I thought you were going to say calling. That would have been a... a oh, no, a, that's pushing it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, basically, you know, my background, I'm marine biologist by background, so I, I always had this this love of the sea, and, and I, I was looking for years as a way of... Because I, I left academia after my PhD, and I never pursued that. It was always finding a, a link between that love of the sea and sort of commercial opportunities, and and seaweed sort of ticked that box and to cut a long story short it started had a consultancy business and we were sort of around sustainability and marine environment and we I took on a project managing um project looking at algal biofuels so basically turning seaweed into fuel and it was random enough to do with seaweed that I think it was actually my brother-in-law, my wedding, he made a, a speech and, and he referred to me as like the doctor of fish. And then from that, this Dr. Seaweed came and, and now it's a registered trademark, I should add, before anyone thinks of copying it. It's brilliant too, though. It just, you know, it does what it says in the tin, doesn't it? That, yeah. that is what you know about inside now, so... And, how, you know, I think people remember it and, you know, I'm genuine doctor, PhD doctor. Yeah. But, yeah, it seems to work so far. No, I'm sure it does. So how would you describe your job to other people? Oh, I often say I just sell seaweed, you know, and that, and that's the, the easiest way. And that it was sort of quite lazy in the sense that that naturally seems to intrigue people because it seems such a ridiculously stupid concept. Why would you sell seaweed? So, I mean, that's basically what we do. We're, we're trying to find the best ways for people to get the natural health and wellness benefits of sustainable seaweed. So we have our B2B business supplying ingredients into manufacturers to make it as easy as possible for brands and manufacturers to then get the benefits to their consumers. And then we have the Dr. Seaweed Weed and Wonderful brand to get our own seaweed direct consumers through products that we've developed. So selling seaweed and making it as easy as possible for people to benefit. And when other people describe what you do, what do they say? What I mean, you've you've 
alluded to being called Dr. Fish by some of your family, but what else? Do people understand what you do? Yeah, I, I think people do. And I, I think it's interesting. There was some research done uh, a few years ago and it showed that I think it was 88% of people knew that seaweed was good for them. They didn't necessarily right. know why, but there was a recognition that it was healthy. And that's been helped along the way with sushi yeah. and sort of Asian foods that are, are generally seen as healthy. So I think people sort of get it. They're just not really sure why you would want to do that and and how you're doing it i suppose too because they probably imagine you going along the beach in the morning yeah picking it all up which is definitely (laughs) not how we do it so you know it's absolutely yeah it does it it intrigues and then i think people you know understand there's an opportunity there and and our job is to sort of realize that now you you hinted at you know doing direct to consumer on retail and things and obviously i also know that you do qvc and uh, in fact, ordered on Saturday my immunity booster pack for the next three months because I think you're coming into winter, regardless of anything else that's going on. I just really want to make sure that I'm in optimum health and I have a good balanced diet. I take a good load of fruit, vegetables, you know, protein. I'm quite careful about what I eat, where it comes from, but just that extra immunity booster and the fact that it's like 120 tablets in a pack so it's like going to get you right through winter and when I was doing that I actually was watching your video just to understand exactly what I was going to get from it and what the benefits were and also trying to work out do I still need to take my separate d3 or do I just hit that in the head over the winter and just take the immunity booster and things and it is all very straightforward but I heard you talking about guaranteeing things are mollusk free and things and you and I had that conversation a while ago and I must be honest until you brought it up a I hadn't thought about people with allergies and their concern about whether or not there was shellfish or in their seaweeds but also from the vegetarian point of view we all know sea or many of us know that seaweed has a number of nutrients in it that vegetarians would find difficult to get elsewhere in their diet. But I'd never kind of thought that some of them might not want to come near it because they're worried in case there is some fish in it. So can you tell us about how you manage that in your process? No, definitely. And I think importantly, when I say seaweed, it, you know, it's quite a lazy term because there's about 10,000 different species, different types. So, so saying grass. Exactly when you mean you know tender stem broccoli or something yeah Uh, so we focus on one species particularly and it's all from the outer hebrides the isle of lewis in scotland and the the way it's harvested is quite unique so it's cut on special boats uh, around high tide so they're just trimming the top of the seaweed but actually this species as well quite uniquely sheds its outer skin periodically because if you imagine this is grows in an area where the tide comes in and out twice a day and so there's a lot of wave action, there's a lot of pressure on it. And if you have things like barnacles, which are crustacea, settling on you, it increases your drag. So you, you're more likely to be pulled off the rock. So it doesn't want to allow that. So that that helps with our ability to sell as allergen-free. But also the fact it's not cut from the base at low tide and then left there to be collected and all sorts of stuff can get in there, crabs and whatever else. And then in the way we dry and mill it, there's certain steps that are proprietary to what we do that 
massively reduce the chance of any allergens uh, like fish crustacea and then we test the finished product anyway in independent labs so we're really confident of that which as you say is important for allergens uh, and even not just for consumers because the amount they would consume of the seaweed would be tiny so any potential allergen would be tiny but a lot of manufacturing sites have such strict understandably such strict policies on allergens but then when it comes to vegans, a lot of people want to be really confident there's nothing in there. And we're also kosher certified, which again, shellfish is not something that's kosher. So it's something else that, that they look at. That you're eliminating. Yeah. No, what made you pick the Outer Hebrides or how did you get introduced to that area? Was that during your studying or? It was actually the project I mentioned, the biofuels project. Mm. I, I met them through that. And the guys up there, had set up the factory god it must be about 15 years or so ago now and it's just an incredible thing they've set up really sustainable extremely passionate guys keeping you know everything on the island credible sustainable resource that they've got and over the years you know they've, they've just uh in the last couple of years there's been a six million pound rebuild of the factory i mean because they're supplying it we do all the food a nutrition side of like human food that go we've got our own equipment housed there but everything else to do big volume into agriculture horticulture they've got an incredible cosmetics business because seaweed is so hugely unique that it actually ticks the box of pretty much every mega trend whether it's uh, biomedical food nutrition uh, materials biofuels all sorts all from this sort of very underutilized and underappreciated resource we've got so I met them through the biofuel project because they're really the, the only guys or certainly were doing it at scale in the UK. And I, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're the largest in Europe now in terms of production. So and it's just a stunning location. It's, I mean, it's an amazing. I love that area generally. But I think also to have people from that area looking after that for you, they live there. It's their community they are not going to do anything that would damage the area because they would damage their resource. They, you know, it's not like they're coming in a trawler and yeah. lifting it and disappearing off. And nobody quite knows who took it, you know, it's, which I think is a great thing because it just gives you that confidence that they realise it's their resource too. And so they're being very careful with it. As, as well so it's super isn't it it just makes it a really sustainable yeah it does and, and it's so you know that there's no heavy industry there there's no big agriculture no. there's no big river, river runoffs which no. is us other parts of the world especially in asia and south china sea and places like that the, the seaweed will actively take up heavy metals radiation things like that so where you've got pollution or risk of pollution you just don't want to really go near it so having no. an area that is not just beautiful to visit, but pristine in many ways and the water quality and everything else is it's, it's just clear. ideal. Yeah. No, it is. It's lovely. I mean, all around that area, the most beautiful beaches and things that when you see pictures of them look like you've taken photos in the Caribbean. Yeah. Don't always get the sunshine, no, but say. when you do, it's superb. You know, I mean, there's nothing quite like it, is there? No. When did you start the, this part of your business then, your food-related businesses? So it, we started in 2015 and what we did for that year was put this equipment in the factory up in the Outer Hebrides and it took about a year to get it properly going. We then did all our tests to show that actually it, it gave a much higher quality product as compared to even the same seaweed 
from the same location, but that wasn't going through in terms of food quality, not going through these proprietary systems were developed. And then we started selling it under our Pure C brand into the, the food and nutrition markets as an ingredient. We then did a lot of innovation. We developed called Pure C Smoked. So it's like a naturally smoked version to give really great flavors. We did a Pure C Protect, which is a microencapsulated version. So no flavor, all as powders and granules. And the whole idea is you've got this amazing resource, you've got our technologies, and then we innovate around that instead of trying to get 10 different species, which is quite challenging. Mm. So we can harvest all year round and process all year round. And then in 2018, we launched our finished product brand, which is the, the Dop Seaweeds Weed and Wonderful. And we very much focus now on, on the nutrition and uh, delivering through nutritional supplements because we believe that while seaweed can work really well from a flavor point of view, and enhance flavor, boost flavor, replace salt even. It's the health and nutrition attributes that really give benefit to people and actually what, what they're looking for and meeting a lot of nutritional needs and gaps in the diet as well. Especially too with the increase in the number of people eating more plant-based foods or eating a totally plant-based diet. Either way, you know, the, the benefits of it. But I mean, even, even for people that aren't, that some of the nutrients that are available there you would have to be eating some very specific other foods to get those sorts of levels of it yeah it's a worry i think that going vegan or more plant-based is assumed to be healthy which it very often can be but actually but you have to know you, what you're you, doing exactly you don't know what you're doing and there are certain nutrients and for us it's the iodine iodine's essential you have to get it in your diet and the only source is really a fish and dairy white fish and dairy so if you are plant-based or even increasingly plant-based or even in the UK dairy is the traditional source and more and more people are going for dairy alternatives which don't have any iodine in naturally so no. seaweed it not just our seaweed but seaweed generally is the only natural plant-based or vegan source of this essential nutrient iodine and there's all sorts of issues that happen if you don't get enough iodine uh, from a health point of view. You've also done projects with a number of food manufacturers and things are you allowed to tell us any of the products that you've got on the market that your products are in? Yeah, I mean, the it's a, it, the amazing thing of the seaweed is that, and this is the Pure Sea brand, is it can be very functional. So we were working, for example, with Premier Foods on a bachelor's product. They used it to reduce salt, and that was purely functional. There wasn't any mention front of pack. It wasn't a selling message for them. No. And there's been others like that where it provides some element of functionality. And then you go to the other extreme where it, it's the marketing message, the seaweed, the sea vegetable, whatever they decide to call it from the pack. So we we had a product out with PepsiCo and they have a brand called Off the Eaton Path and they had... I ate most of those, <laughs> I have to <laughs> no, confess. I've been eating good. them for ages and then you told me that you were behind them, which has made it even more, even better that you know you were supplying into them. But that was such a great snack products but without the guilt attached to I know, it, some fried potato crisps and things it was super it was a, a the concept they had and this is where what we're seeing more and more where seaweed is still and our, our weed and wonderful brand is all about saying seaweed isn't weird it's wonderful and because the consumer as we said before they know it's good for them but and I wouldn't eat this, you know, no one's ready for that mm -hmm. big slab of seaweed on the plate. No. You want it in formats that are familiar, like a snack food, but with that bit of seaweed in that is, you know, they were, they were not so using that much in building there. Building it up. Exactly. No. So, you know, it's there. The nutrition's there. There's an element of flavor potentially, which can work really well. And 
we've had it in everything from hummus to sausages to uh, there was a cheese in Marks and Spencer's, uh, smoked seaweed mayonnaise. Or, or it works across mainly savoury stuff, range. but huge range of products. But it's good too, isn't it? If you if it's something that you're using regularly, I mean, a lot of restaurants will do seaweed butters and things. Mm-hmm. You know, if they make their own butters, and that's good because I think historically, if you think about seaweed as a food, you think about things like laver bread and, you know, which is a very acquired taste. Mm-hmm. And I think these things where it's a little and you're getting it often or where, as you say, it's in even instead of salt or something, but you're unintentionally or intentionally picking up small amounts of it all the time, then that's that's the best thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's great. You see, like you said, a lot of chefs and restaurants using it. And I think that in some way normalises it a little bit. Starts to bring it into people's consciousness even, doesn't it? It does. And, and what we need to see it doing, because if, if I watch a, a, a TV show with um, chefs on Michelin star chefs or something, they use seaweed. It's interesting, but I'm never going to make that because I'm not a chef. But you start to then see those trends picked up and the brands and the retailers see that it's working. And we've had, you know, our seaweed's being used on all sorts of shows You've got people like Jamie Oliver who was talking about we're about to start a love affair with seaweed on a show that he did a while ago. And that then makes it very mainstream. Or one of is my oldest friend, but also one of our investors is uh, Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs. And he went on Great British Bake Off and used our smoked seaweed to make a smoked seaweed scone, which Paul Hollywood was like, this tastes fantastic. Now, Ricky can't cook. You know, he's not he's not known for his skills. Um, but it made a fantastic scone because it was so easy, you know, yeah. making a scone's easy. Because it just gave them that extra dimension exactly. to it. Things, yeah. No, and, and I do think that's good. I, there used to be a BBC food and drink programme years ago and there was a, a chef on there who, I don't even know that he was a chef actually because he also was on Classic FM, but he constantly messed things up and he would do the kind of, this is how you do it. And then he'd go, here's one we've got ready to put in the oven. And you would know that he had been nowhere near it because yeah. it looked nothing like what he had just done. And I used to say, why do they use him? And they would say, because if he can do stuff, it makes other people feel like they definitely could. Because yeah. he wasn't the Michelin star chef or the... So I do think there is that element of seeing it used every day but also there is always this thing that you go abroad on holiday you eat something you then begin to look for it when you come back the first place you'll look for it normally is in restaurants mm-hmm. because you're not going to try cooking it at home you're not 100 sure how they cooked it you were just served it so it starts in a restaurant and then you know then it gets it's used in a finished product normally mm-hmm. and then it becomes Folk want to make things themselves, so they want it as an ingredient. So they want to be able to make Ricky Wilson scones. So they start um, looking for that, you know. And and I think there is that full product life cycle before people totally accept things. They've got to have seen it in all those different places. And quite often when people come to us and ask us to help them put unusual things into the market, I would say let's get it in front of some chefs first mm-hmm. let's have them using it whatever level but i mean i just think in school catering and things imagine if they were using seaweed instead of salt even the difference that you can make there no definitely and we've got a great customer called eat balance they're based actually in glasgow and 
they uh, use the seaweed. Absolutely. They use our seaweed in the base of pizzas that they're selling to schools and food service. Brilliant. And they've created a nutritionally balanced pizza. So they taste Brilliant. really good. They taste like a you know cheese and tomato pizza or whatever it might be on it. But they've got, it's not just the seaweed, they've got other things, but it gives the nutrition. And we're seeing as chefs, it's not just yep. about flavor. You know, it is about you are what you eat and making sure you get nutrition in there. And we're seeing that and particularly in these well. kind of markets into schools, feeding children, all of those things are such emotive things too that people want to make sure they're doing mm. the best they can. Definitely. Because one of the things with iodine, one of the approved health claims is contributes to the normal development in children or normal growth in children. It's an essential nutrient from pregnancy all the way through your life, brain development for everything. So without that, along with it's not, the, you know, it's not something you grow out of it's not you need it until you're 10 and then yeah, yeah. but but also if they get used to it at a young age then it will just carry on oh, as definitely. being something that they use so it's great isn't it and the beauty of what we supply in terms of the ingredients is they don't even know it's in there it, it's it's used in such small amounts and it yeah. enhances flavor you, it doesn't taste of fish or seaweed no. or anything else it, it just is a marmy you know it boosts that flavor and scarily, there are stats like 76% of school-age girls have a diet insufficient in iodine. That's a huge number. I mean, if that was something yeah, like calcium it. or iron, there'd be a big outcry. But iodine's still a little bit unknown to, to consumers. But, you know, so that, that's part of our mission is, is filling that nutritional gap as well. That's brilliant. Role models. Where have you worked and who did you see working or who are you friendly with that you think that person gets results because they do this or, you know, that person's great with people or tell me who your role models have been. Oh, wow. So I, I like to think, and I think actually doing a PhD as well makes you sort of learn and sit and listen. And so hopefully I, I like to think I'm a bit of a sponge and absorb as much as possible. The marine biology came around from a teenager love of James Bond, who always pretends to be a biologist, and I love Baywatch. I, that was a big inspiration uh, for, for all, all the wrong reasons. Oh, dear. But I guess, you know, I, I think... Thank goodness something got you interested, or <laughs> we'd have no seaweed, so... <laughs> Absolutely. You can thank Pamela Anderson for that. But um, I think, look, I mean, I, I grew up where my dad has always worked for himself, and still now at 78, nearly 79, he still works... And he, yeah, definitely. And he's always, you know, he's still the optimist that he's going to make his millions and, uh, and seeing that. And also uh, my grandfathers both worked for themselves. They died before I was born, but you have that narrative in your family. And, so, and it's not alien to them. Exactly. Or... And it's the ups and downs. So people who, yeah. who might have parents with very stable careers, which, you know, you need, and we need people like that. Mm -hmm you sort of grow up where it's just normal and I used to do talks yeah. in universities to graduates or recent graduates about working for yourself is just as much a, an opportunity as going and getting a job yeah. in, in a big corporate and actually it's the best time I say to do it when you're leaving yeah. university because you're used to living off nothing once you've got your mortgage yeah. and your kids it's actually quite difficult it's a bigger step isn't it yeah, yeah. So close to home, that was good. I mean, when I've done, QVC's been fantastic for us and I really enjoy doing it. Watching Ricky, who I mentioned, do all of his shows and when he did The Voice and all that stuff. One of the things I never realised is the huge amount of preparation that goes into 30 seconds of TV or radio or anything yeah. else. It's just massive. And so I, watching him and then having to do it, 
and the nerves that you've then got to hide, you know, a little bit of makeup tips, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's been uh, very good. And I, I'm very lucky to have a really good board of directors and, and investors we've got. Michael had a brand called The Food Doctor, which is yeah. an amazing brand, really analogous in some ways to what we're doing. So it was about delivering yeah. health through really tasty ways. Jonathan had a, uh, actually owned our ingredients distributor, which, which sold a very you know, brilliant commercial mind and just nice people to work with as well. And we, we recently... That's so important to all of is. that, isn't it? Having people that believe in you, having people around you who've done what you're trying to do in different ways is great. I have a, a friend that I've just sent a postcard to today and it says something on it like surround yourself with people that get what you're trying to do. And I just think that is invaluable. And as a self-employed person or an entrepreneur, you select naturally, unfortunately, friends that get it and friends that don't. Mm. And, you know, friends that don't have a friend that I was going to meet later on this afternoon and he suddenly said, we've got a job on Thursday, which means it's just come in. He they, they do choreography and dancing. I mean, totally different to me. But he's like, I have to cancel what we were going to do this afternoon because I have to get costumes sorted. I have to get, it's like a really fast turnaround. He's like, I'm really sorry. And if you're in self-employment you get that that happens or if you're you know if you're working for yourself you know that the business stuff just has to come first whereas if you're not in that kind of job if you clock on and clock off or you know if it doesn't matter what you're doing and nothing would ever get in the way of that then I think it winds people up that you're they think you're not as reliable but it's not that it's just something happens you've got to help somebody if you get a slot in QVC you've got to drop everything and take it <laughs> That, you know, that sort of thing, isn't it? So well, it is, and I think as well it's because, you know, the, I have four children, and but the, the business is like another child, you know, and, and, and you have, hopefully it comes across well, but genuinely, you know, real passion for it. So if I'm on holiday, yeah. it's, it's no chore for me to, to dial in and do a QVC. I did two from holiday this year, and, or, or just be on my emails. Yeah, you get aggravation, which you don't want, but generally it, it's you want to see it is i don't mind doing it no. I, I enjoy it. and the guys and you're in control of it too which yeah. is fantastic isn't it i mean i think that often you know you may not get as many holidays as other people certainly in the beginning you know yeah. but i always know my mom is 500 miles away and i like to know that if she needed me i can go and nobody else can say you can't really do that this week because this is going on. I will make whatever else is going on happen. But I know that I can I have that choice about how you do things and, and about being there for people when they need you and things. I think it's it's a huge benefit to, to working for yourself. It is. And, and hope, mm -hmm. you know, I think especially in this day and age where everything's done remotely for everybody, you, you can work anywhere pretty much. You know, yeah. if, I, if I need to be up in the factory, that's different. You've got to be there. But that, for me, is not that often. No. But, you know, phones, emails, everything. It, it, it's, it's as a, long as there's a Wi-Fi connection, and that's getting better now, isn't it, too? Yeah. That you know, I, I probably don't well. have a, a work-life balance. I should, but I'm quite happy. So, <laughs> it's, it's As long good. as your family are still seeing you, that's exactly. what matters. Exactly. That's it. 
we talk often with people about stepping outside your comfort zone and how you have to do that to be successful because if you stay in your immediate comfort zone, you're not growing, so you're not stretching yourself, so you're not doing the very best that you could do probably. Um, often we don't realise that we are stepping out until you look back, but when you look back now from where you are, what amazes you that you've done that you would never have believed if somebody had said, you know, you're going to be doing this or you've done that or I think sometimes you when you look back you think god if I'd actually thought that through I'd never have done it Um, (laughs) and I remember when when we got the equipment for the processing in in 2015 I had to get a loan out a personal loan this was before any investors Mm -hmm. in the business before we had any sales and Mm -hmm. it took months and months and months to get it installed and switched I remember it was December of 2015 we, when we turned it on and it, the electrician had said it, it was a real nightmare but we turned it on and as he, it just turned on I thought oh my god I don't even know if this is going to work because um, nothing we'd done trials on other bits of yeah. kit, but not on this actual one and it was all specially made and so you look back and you think it's a real oh, leap of faith isn't yeah, it you know you think god that was actually really stupid <laughs> but uh, but that's what you've got to do and I think yeah. people that I know who have been successful that they're obviously intelligent and capable but actually there's a it's trying to stop the fear of failure which i think is inherent in all of us but perhaps more in some than others and it's that whole you know better have loved and lost than never loved at all it's better to try and fail that than not always have wondered if you could have done it yeah Yeah. and and that's that's it's that i remember years ago seeing a guy do a talk it was a successful entrepreneur and he said his idea of hell which was often what people asked him what's your idea of hell and he said it's seeing what I could have been and never having gone for it and and it's true and and yeah so I think looking back there's there's various things that you realize were were a risk but unless you do them you're never going to get forward because otherwise everyone's doing them and 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 I think you have to be less risk averse you know I think you have to be prepared to take risk to want to have your own business I mean people Often I hear people saying things like, if I won the lottery, I would start my own business or I would run my own pub. Or, and I would think that's the very worst reason to do it. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're not going to make yourself do it before then. And you, you were saying earlier, you come from a family where everybody had had their own businesses and things. Nobody in my family had when I started mine. I have one brother who was a few years ahead of me. So he had started something on his own. But nobody else had. And my dad was terrified at the idea that I think he thought he would be permanently responsible for me for the rest of my life, you know. And he was saying, can you not wait till you're married, which I've never done. So it was a good job I didn't take that (laughs) advice. But, you know, you just sometimes, and I do think some folk just don't have that mentality. But I actually was made redundant the day after I had bought a new house. And I came into work and they went, no. We're going to make you redundant, but we waited till your mortgage was sorted. And I was thinking, <laughs> you think that's helpful? You know, and and then I realised, what are you waiting for to go and do something your own? Because actually, at least I'd have known then I was about to be, you know, in trouble, need more money than I had, whatever it was going to be, you know. And so I just got a part time job because I had not overspent on the house, but I'd put all my money into a house the day before mm-hmm. to then discover that I needed some savings. So I got a part-time job and started the business at the same time. 
and I've never looked back. And I do think you need to be prepared, not reckless risk. And you can always look into things and limit your risks and things, but you do need to take a bit of a risk with stuff you do. and to be prepared to do that. You know, it's it's funny, the, the, the little things people say to you over the years that they'll forget and but they stay with you forever and I remember when I, f- I did a, my degree and then I did a master's and then I was offered the PhD and I remember uh, one of my dad's friends actually who had done a PhD uh, before and so I, I phoned him for some advice and he said well what what's the alternative you get a job you'll learn a lot more money because the PhD you get paid or well, then you got paid very very little um, but he said you're just going to spend it you know but at least you will have a phd you will you'll love it because most people you know when you get into it you love it but then you'll have that for the rest of your life and and it was true you know i'm, I'm not a materialistic person and don't get me wrong i, I you know we want to make a lot of money and i'll, I'll one day have my super yacht somewhere wonderful <laughs> but the well, um, come and visit yeah absolutely welcome anytime <laughs> you know but but in the short term, you, you do make those sacrifices for the for the greater good, and and you don't need you know you don't need stuff around nope. you. And but you know some people do, and it and, and that's what makes them happy. But um, and it's also sacrifices. how they see themselves or how they value themselves. Sometimes too, you know that having a specific job title or salary or but then I mean then that can be a disaster for you too if you lose your job because you lose all of all of your identity with it. So yeah, no, definitely. What have you learned about yourself that you wish you'd known sooner? I think, uh, you know, you have to be very stubborn and, and single-minded to stick with something because this has been now six years or so of this business. And when you start to do well, people assume it's happened overnight uh, but it isn't you know you've got to really stick with it so I think I'm probably a bit more stubborn than I thought I was determined determined that sounds more positive (laughs) Um, but uh you know you you learn along the way I think I, I have a hopefully a healthy dose of paranoia you know you know in your own business where the weaknesses are where the problems are and and those are what try and focus on I definitely overthink stuff at times like those kind of sort of, you know, where things could go wrong and plan for the worst and hope for the best. I don't know. I mean, ask, ask the, the, my investors and directors, they give you a long list. I'm sure. of. No, uh, I don't think, I think they've seen something in you that's made them all invest. So I don't, I don't think that's an issue, but no, that's good. What have you eaten recently that you've loved? What has surprised you or what is new that you've tried or what have you rediscovered that you'd forgotten about and just loved? You know, the summer's great because things are fresh, you know, and, and they feel yeah. fresh and when the weather's warm and just really simple. We, we've done quite a bit of fishing just here. Off, I'm based in the northeast of England and catching mackerel, which were just crazy abundant this year and barbecuing a, a whole mackerel with just some lemon, a bit of salt, and it's just unbelievable. And I love doing it Simple with my kids. things, well done. Definitely, and, and doing it with kids. So Because I, I, mm-hmm. I hate the idea that they would eat fish fingers and never know that that was an animal that had died in order f- to nourish them. So yeah. them seeing them, and they've all come out to see it, e- even the younger ones who wouldn't hold the fishing rod because the youngest is three. 
and my mm. oldest is 20 you know there's a big range yeah. and he, he loves coming fishing but having to see the animal and, and it being killed and the blood and all that stuff you know if 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 they all said right we want to be vegan or vegetarian that's absolutely fine because at least they'd know but if they want to eat it they've seen it and then they've tasted it cooked and and, that's and really they've important. got more respect for it too well hopefully yeah and i think yeah. for me that's the key thing it's like you we, we we without doubt consume too much I personally i don't think it means you should give up everything it just means you yeah. need to get it from a good source or, or and respect what you eat but yeah it's a nice fresh fish this summer has been fantastic good that's so that's your top tip then or has been yeah yeah oh definitely and look I, I, the, I, I love food and also you know for me seaweed is it can taste fantastic like we said mm -hmm. before but i take it in our capsules I, there's the odd bit of food we might put it in and i'll eat is ours is very different to the stuff you get around sushi and yeah. I, I love sushi and japanese yeah. cuisine i love some um, of the japanese salads too where mm. they have rehydrated seaweeds and things and very often it's about the sesame seeds toasted and the sesame oil and the other things that are in with it that balance out the flavors isn't it yeah, yeah. absolutely so you know it's it's quite versatile but i'm i'm not going to pretend i like eat that you're having it in your seaweed seaweed every, every day morning. no that would be fairly <laughs> disgusting oh. um, i have it in the capsule with the porridge but yeah 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 no that's it and that it's all about convenience too and yeah. ease and you know if you were traveling all the time or something you can take a capsule but definitely. try taking seaweed on and off flights yeah. with you <laughs> yeah it'd be a lot harder and it and it isn't something that's readily available when I mean, you see samphire and things fresh in season in stores but you don't see a huge amount of seaweed and there have been some of the retailers have really tried particularly some of the health food retailers and things but it's not an easy thing no. for people to manage themselves either definitely and that's where the again the, the sort of doc sees weed and wonderful the weed being you know not not weird but wonderful because often when it's been seen in the health food shops or even some of the big retailers it's sold as a big bit of seaweed or some seaweed flakes or something and mm -hmm. I, I sell it and i i wouldn't know what to do with a lot of these things no. and i certainly wouldn't you might do it every now and again in a dish but you're certainly not going to do it on a daily or you know a few times no. a week because it's just not that versatile i mean we we use analogies of like yogurt so yeah. in the sort of 70s and 80s yogurt wasn't really that well known in the uk it was in health food shops mainly but fairly yeah. bland and then brands like ski came along putting a load of sugar and did brilliant branding and suddenly it's like oh it's a treat and now to the consumer yogurt is everything it's savory it's sweet it's healthy it's indulgent it's an ingredient exactly it's something eaten, it's yeah, all you have it with meat you have yeah. it with fish you have it and and it but the consumer sort of gone on that journey without consciously realizing and that's what we're doing with seaweed so most consumers might say okay you know asian cuisine japanese food whatever but more and more it's getting into a whole wide variety of things as we're showing from some of our customers on the pure sea side yep and it will just transcend more and more because it has to because it's sustainable yes and it's nutritious and we have to find those future foods that can sustain us yeah and and that don't do damage to exactly. the planet at the same time that's no i think that's very true what would you tell anyone else that was thinking about starting their own business what would you see to make sure they do maybe that you know what what do you think is fundamental that you get going with or I, I think i always would just say just get on with it 
you know, don't think about it over and over again. You've got to have a plan or know roughly where you're going. I'm, I'm not a big fan of in-depth business plans because nothing ever goes nope. according to plan. But as long as you know where you want to be and, and you have a sensible idea, get started. just get going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not re- there's never a good time when you're thinking about things like nope. this. So just get going. That's that's very very wise, very sound advice. I think so. No, I mean it is true. If you again, if you overthink it, there's always a reason why not to do something. Yeah. Um. We do a lot of business planning with people, and we always use a one-page business plan because mm-hmm. I say it's got to be on the wall. The three, you know, the big thing that you had to prepare for the bank at some point in your life, you've never looked at again. No. It went out of date as soon as the ink dried on it. A one page, what you're trying to do this year, what you're trying to do for the next three years. The number of people that work in organisations too and don't know what the big plan is. I think how on earth do you expect anyone to help you get there if they've got no idea what your plan is? Do you know? So I think having it on show, letting other people know what the plan is, letting them see it, you're much more likely to get things that will feed into it if everybody in your team is aware of what you're doing. So one page, stick it on the wall. Don't get too bogged down in it because other than the big document that the bank will make you produce for something, nobody else is ever going to make use of one like that. And a, and a quick one-page plan just to keep you on focus is much more useful to you. No, definitely. Um, and I think as well we've got to – it's a very British thing, this fear of failure, where in the US, if you go bankrupt, you just start again the next day. It's just the way it is. There's, there's, yeah. It's almost a badge of honour, whereas here, and don't get me wrong, if God forbid we did, it would it would really hurt. But you've just got yeah. to get up and keep going, there's, you know, just get on with it. And and you do learn from things. I had a chocolate brownie business, which kind of happened by accident. A retailer that we sent chocolate brownies to for Christmas said, where did you get them? And I said, we made them. I mean, we make our living out of helping people make products. So it mm-hmm. surprised me that they thought we wouldn't have made them. But And they said, if you make them, we'll buy them. And we started to. And then the business got big. And we were doing a lot of corporate gifting and all kinds of things. And it was my second business. And I was trying very hard to keep out of it. And then whenever somebody was off sick or anything, I would be there wrapping up Valentine's Day chocolate brownies for people who had forgotten that the next day was Valentine's Day and sending them out and doing all that kind of thing. Just at one point, we were going to have to invest a huge amount of money in it. And our accountant said, if you're going to invest this kind of money, you need to be in this business full time. And I said, I don't like this business. Mm. This is not what... So we actually sold and, and came out of it. And... That was, you know, and I thought, oh, what a shame that you spent all that time doing it and things. The things that I was able to try that I couldn't have tried with other people's businesses, you know, and then I've been able to tell them since, don't do it, you know, or do it this way, or you don't need to do that, or have you looked at this? And the things that I learned have been invaluable to me in other things, and I never, ever would regret Having done it, it was too good an opportunity to pass up. A retailer asked us to make something, you know. Yeah. It, it just wasn't the business I wanted to be in. And, and at that point, too, I said to my friend's husband, I hate doing the same thing every day. Project work, which is what we do, is perfect for me because I do something, help somebody get something right, and I move on. I'm not a maintainer. 
And he said, Jane, I could have told you that 25 years ago. Uh-huh. But you don't see it in yourself because uh-huh. you think that the way you feel about something is how everybody feels. You don't realise it's different. But definitely project work is the thing for us. And that's why I ask you, you know, what what have you discovered about yourself that you wish you'd known sooner? Because when he said that to me and I reflected on everything I'd done, the things I loved were never things where I was maintaining something. You know, mm. when I was working for other people, I loved being given some big mess to sort and sorting it. And so if I had come to that realisation 20 years earlier, I may have got to where I am now 20 years sooner. But then the experience, the contacts, everything else you've picked up in that time. Oh, absolutely. You've got, you know, yes. everything gets you to where you are. And I remember speaking to a, a guy I know from Leeds who built up a very successful business, which he floated on the stock exchange. And, and he then got out of it because it was boring. You know, it was like day to day. It was a big business. It was maintaining yep. with a bit of growth. He enjoyed the the new bit, the growing the business and, and building it and building it. Um, and, and holding it, on by your fingertips. And yeah. You've exactly. got it right. That's and, it. And then he, he realized that, yeah, it's not for me. I'm, I'm going to get out and do something else. And so, yeah, everyone's different. And thankfully, because the world would be pretty yes. dull if there weren't. If we were all exactly the same. Too right. Now, finally, if you could sum yourself up in three words, Oof, stubborn not being one of them, what would your three words be? Come on. Oh, my goodness. I hope passionate is one. Thoughtful in the sense of thinking things through and doing them for the right reasons, not necessarily yeah. buying my wife presents when I should. Ooh. That's not uh, necessarily a strong point. And... We'll go for determined, which you yep. very nicely substituted for your stubborn. <laughs> Stubbornness, yeah. So passionate. Oh, just determined. Passionate, determined. Yeah. I think that's I hope. good. I mean, I think things like that I would prefer other people to describe <laughs> of me. Well then I would say what what do other people say about you? But... Yeah, well behind my back, who knows? But who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, not at all. Anyway, thank you very much for spending a wee bit of time with us. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to Let Me Introduce You, the weekly food business podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to pick up your podcasts to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Leave a comment to let me know what you've enjoyed. You can get us on Instagram, Facebook or on Twitter at Jane Milton Food. If you found it helpful, we'd love you to tell other food businesses about the podcast too. I look forward to seeing you next time.